0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the fateful and for the fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing tonight?
0: Good, and how are you?
1: I'm pretty well. Nice bounce-back performance by the Oilers tonight, and a third straight kind of convincing win for one of the teams, with uh, you know the whole third period being basically one team killing the clock, and... Successfully. Um, but on this night, it was the Oilers, and they, I would say, reverted largely to their splendid defensive effort of game two in game four after taking a vacation to Uranus in game three.
0: <laughs> I think. Um,
1: Actually pronounced Uranus, but. I, okay. Uh, that's, that's a punchline of a lot of jokes. Let's put it that way.
0: That's, that's one of your astronomy jokes there, Bruce. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, they went, they went away a long way away.
0: I actually think Bruce, this was the, um, this was the first game in the playoffs. Reminded me a lot of game six against LA last Mm -hmm. year, must win game. And finally they brought their defensive a game, these playoffs, um, like their very best defensive game. And, um, it made all the difference you know if if they're committed to to playing hardcore hockey like that um getting in on the forecheck and hitting but just sound defensive play the owners can win the stanley cup if they don't do that they won't and right. it's as simple as that and um this team doesn't always it's kind of it's not they don't bring the defensive a game consistently but um when they do they're they're not going to lose a game. They're just... They're, they can be a fantastic defensive game and the defensive team, and they were tonight. All right. Four to 4-1 win. Um, Bruce, we're going to do our um, two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast because it was a big win. We'll go with um, two good things each. And just before we get started, Bruce, I'll just give the grade A shots for the game. Mm. It was... 14 for the um, Edmonton Oilers. I think my computer's just. For some reason it's. uh, Not giving me this information here we go. 14 for the Oilers 7 for Vegas and the subset of five alarm shots, which are um, grade A shots are 25 percenters and the subset of of, of is 33%. It was 6 to 3 for the Oilers. So they doubled up in both categories, and um, hence the victory. Bruce, what's your first good thing?
1: Yeah, I like the sound of six to three in a game where the Oilers had the early lead. Oftentimes, you get these low-shot games, and it's all, you know, if you've got the lead, that's what you want. You don't want to get into a track meet. And there was only a couple times in this game that it kind of threatened to break out into a skating game as opposed to a control game, which the Oilers had control for most of it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the entire third line of uh, Ryan McLeod between Warren Fogle and Derek Ryan. Uh, started the game, started each period, uh, and just seemed to, I thought, just give give away nothing, barring McLeod's somewhat silly penalty 24 seconds into the first period. Oh, yeah. But Yeah, other than that, I mean, even right off the hop, I mean, Dine... Derek Ryan made a beautiful exit pass, and uh, McLeod got up to Fogle at the far blue line. He took it in and got it in the zone, got a hit in, you know, and then that penalty happened. But it seemed like all night long those guys were in command when they were out there. Really, it seems like all series long they were in command when they were out there. This is tonight's uh, shot shares. Uh, for Ryan McLeod, it was 12-2 in shot attempts, 6-1 in shots on goal while he was out there, uh, almost nine minutes at even strength, 6-1. For Derek Ryan, it was 7-1 in shot uh, shot attempts and 3-1 in shot chairs. And finally, for Warren Fogle, it was 12-3 and 6-2 respectively. And according to uh, natural statics, uh, expected goals, which is simply what uh, how d- goals should be distributed based on the types and uh, numbers of shots that they got, had uh, 91% for Ryan McLeod, uh, 89% for uh, Warren Fogle, and 97% for Derek Ryan because they gave up nothing. Right? I mean, here's Derek Ryan's expected goal, 0.394, 0.01 against that's how you get to 97 percent, right? They didn't score a goal even on his shift. and 0.39 says you know it was a coin flip whether they get one or not. But Vegas got nothing uh, the entire time they were out there, and they just they uh, controlled play. They took uh, they took the body, they cycled beautifully. Man, they can just keep the puck around the boards and and just um, uh, behind the net. Really good at the reverse passes to keep the puck deep. And they just seem to have the puck in good position and themselves in good position every time they were out there. And now uh, that's uh, some pretty terrific work by your third line.
0: That penalty though. <laughs> wow. yeah, it was. you know the, the thing is, he was just so hepped up, right? He was just so keen yeah. to get going. Yep. but his mistake was, don't lead with your stick if you're going yeah. if you're gonna go in there and and try to make a a big uh, play because your body. Yeah. He could have wiped out that guy with a hit, mm-hmm. but he decided to stick his stick in there anyway. Yeah, Fogo had a couple great one-time shots, I eh? like man, he just he came so close one of them a feed oh. and one of them McDavid feed on the power play yeah. And um I do believe Bruce, let me just check this. I think all of those players, all three of those players, um uh yeah all three of them kept the clean sheet at even strength which <sighs> means they they didn't between them they didn't make one mistake right on a grade a shot against at even strength they just right. were solid defensively and again i i've made this point many times and and even though mcleod's a little iffy on defense sometimes i think this line is the line they should be using late in games and at the end of periods to um thwart the other team if the orders have a lead especially Just put those guys out there because I think they're their um, most dependable, reliable defensive hockey players. And if you don't need a goal and you're just looking to to shut things down, I I I like these guys on the ice. Mm -hmm. So
1: Bruce, um, they uh, they throughout the third period, I I was quoting Ryan Smith regularly. I was just saying, get pucks deep, get pucks deep. And every time the, uh, every time the Oilers got the puck all the way over the icing line in the Vegas end, I would just repeat, get pucks deep, you know. And I must have said it out loud about 25 times in the third period. And I bet you 10 of those times were these guys, and probably five of them were Derek Ryan alone because he's just so good at getting the puck into a good spot where no damage can be done. And uh, that that, uh, uh, that was just how how sound a a game that they played, minus the penalty, which I will grant you is a mistake.
0: If Ryan McLeod does nothing else, but just watch um, uh, Derek Ryan play hockey and learn from him Mm -hmm. and think I'm gonna be that guy, but a bigger, Mm -hmm. faster version of him, Mm -hmm. he's gonna be a hell of a player in the NHL Mm -hmm. for 15 years. Like he will have a long career in the NHL. Potentially. um, If he can do that. Um, Bruce, I'm gonna go with just these shots Uh, on the three of the Oilers' four goals. The first one was, of course, with a great wraparound by Nick Bugstad, so I'm not including it, but there was three shots that made the goals. And, um, you know, uh, first of all, Evan, we've talked about this before. Evan Bouchard's um, uh, power play point shot is a new weapon on that power play and um, adds a whole, you know, Tyson Berry could shoot it just fine but Bouchard can really shoot it to score a goal. He is an amazing um, attacker on the power play. And on that goal, um, the the second goal of the game, McDavid swoops around the net, finds Bouchard in the high slot, and he just – he sees – you can see there's a great TV angle. You can see what he's seeing, the mesh. You can see – you know, and it's a fairly large chunk of it. And he just – he just – launched uh, the most wicked harpoon rising right up into the top of that mesh. Mm-hmm. He saw it and he bam, he hit it. And what an ability, what a shooter that guy is. He is gonna menace NHL goaltenders um, um, with that point shot. And it just makes the order's power play that much more deadly.
1: Now, it seems like the first goal he scored in a while, it didn't hit the post on the way in. This was about two inches inside the post. But, man, yeah. when he's accurate, when he's got his lane and he makes his shot, he's he's capable of precision, right? He doesn't yes. just throw the high, hard one. He You know, he puts it right over the corner of the plate and yeah. makes it pretty tough to catch up to. And and uh, he certainly did there. Picked the far side the pass, came out of the near side corner from McDavid. And uh, was it McDavid? Directing? Yeah, it was McDavid. Yeah, it was, yeah. And yeah. and he just drilled it inside the fire post before uh, uh, the netminder Eden Hill could get over there.
0: Yeah. He's got a J.R. Richard of a fastball there. A uh, mm-hmm. shot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mandatory 1970s sports reference.
1: The second player. one
0: I'm going to mention then is the, uh, <laughs> the order's next goal. He was an amazing pitcher in his time. Like a lot of pitchers, though he has like a couple of really great years and then that's,
1: mm-hmm. uh, that's about he a heart attack oh did he when he was like 30 years old yeah so that I kind of yeah. slowed him down
0: forgot about that matthias Atholm shot was also and we saw this shot a couple times from at scoring goals in the regular season we'd get to see it in the playoffs but um J- yamamoto um he makes up he just had made a terrible mistake in the defensive and leading letting mark stone in for a breakaway but he makes up for it a little bit at least uh he wins a puck on the boards and gets it to dry settle who makes a great cross ice pass how many times have we said that in LeAndre andres mm-hmm. NHL career and Ekholm just wires a slap shot into the top corner of the net so um just another shot that makes the goal finally we get to something we've been wait- waiting a long time and Ryan Nugent and Hopkins has been waiting a long time to see and this is another just a fantastic pass, swooping pass into the slot from Connor McDavid. And Nuge immediately gets it, and and he just, great wrist shot through a screen, um, beats the goalie. So three three fantastic shots, and the, the owners are this kind of team right now. They just, they have guys who can just uh, fire the puck so well. <coughs> Excuse me.
1: Yeah. yeah, Ekholm, I mean, we debated a little bit whether that was an A or a B shot, but uh, uh, it was a, a little bit above the face-off dot, and I think it just a little bit outside the face-off dot, but the pass came right from the other side. That's right. And Ekholm, it wasn't quite a one-timer, but he got it away fast and like full slap shot, that was the thing, was he was able to get all of that and just blast it right, I think Aiden Hill got a little piece of it, but yeah. Uh, more or less went through him and and into the net. And that was uh, uh, a great shot by Eckholm, his first playoff goal as an Oiler. I think he had four during the season. But he's uh, he's an offensive threat in sort of a low-key way, you know, where you don't really see him as a dynamic necessarily attacking player, but uh, he knows how to sneak around and get into good spots. And he can make good passes and shots, and he certainly did there.
0: Since he came to the Oilers at even strength, he's as likely as any Oilers defenseman, including Evan Bouchard, to set up someone else for a great a shot with a great pass. Like he really has been a significant contributor on the attack. Now that's partly because they're playing with really good offensive players, but give him credit. He's got his head up, his eyes up, and he's making great passes constantly. And he can fire the puck, as we see. He just he just had a fantastic game. Um, like I gave, I gave him an eight. Um, I just thought he just his decision making uh, throughout the game was was uh, spot on. Bruce, what is your second good thing?
1: Well, I'm going to again go with a complete unit, but this time the defense pairing of Brett Kulak and Vincent DeHarnay, uh, who also I thought had an excellent uh, defensive game in particular. They they gave up nothing, and I think we recorded them with a clean sheet, uh, and certainly. Uh, Again, uh, to cite natural stat trick, uh, for Vincent DeHarney in 13 minutes at even strength, 0.06 of an expected goal against. You know, like that's virtually giving up nothing. And for Brett Kulak in uh, an extra minute or so, 0.14. And both guys, you know, close to uh, half of expected goals. So, you know, we're, we're dealing in the margins here. But what happens when you play like that is that you don't give up any goals. And every two or three games, you should get one if you play at that rate. And tonight, they didn't give up a thing. And the shots when uh, uh, when were on was on the ice, and now this is 13 minutes at even, seven for Edmonton, two for Vegas, two shots. And the scoring chances were 9-2. And the high danger chance is 3-0. Again, this is natural stat trick. And I'm not sure how much offense these guys created under our metrics, but we know that we they, they just didn't give up a thing, and the puck spent more time in the right end than the other. For for uh, Kulak, it was 5-3 on shots, and he was actually out for a goal. Uh, well, they both were plus one in this game. So it did work out in terms of... Uh, uh, of goals being scored when they were on the ice. They were plus one and they earned it uh, with uh, strong play and included two minutes on the penalty kill for uh, DeHarnay, And I just thought he won a lot of battles. He was in good position. He was composed with the puck. And this was maybe his best game in the whole playoffs to date. And that's a, a relatively low bar. He's, he struggled, but uh, he played a strong, solid reliable game tonight and uh, his partner Kulak man that guy can skate can he just yeah, a he's beautiful just, skater
0: he's been fantastic in the playoffs and he may be called upon in the next game to play a bigger role for the Oilers mm-hmm. so we'll get to that in a second yeah. um, you know it was only two games ago Bruce that I wrote a post like maybe the Oilers shouldn't bench Vinnie DeHarnay, and it was quite a controversial yes. thing to say because mm-hmm. at the time I think you know the vast majority of Oilers fans had seen enough Mm-hmm. And we're calling for him to be taken out of the game, mm-hmm. and I, and I, that's what I thought. Then I had another look at it, and I thought, well, no, if you go a seventy, just play him on the PK mm-hmm. and see if he can get through that, and see if he can build on that. Right. And um, he he was okay that game, and then this game he was he was he had a he had a pretty solid game. Like they didn't create much on the attack, but the, as you say, they gave up nothing um, in oh. their own end. And that's just critical for, for players like that at the bottom end of the roster. I mean hockey hockey's a weird game. It's you know the best players win games. but just as much, the weakest players on the team can lose games yes. um, if they're about to snuff. And you, you know people sometimes wonder why do you guys debate so much about the 18th man on the roster or this you know the 6d man or the it's because those players when, when they're out on the ice, they can cause a goal against regularly if you don't have a good player. Now, Deharnay was that good player in the regular season. He struggled a bit in the playoffs, but he seems to have settled down a bit in the last last couple games and is playing well again. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Bruce. Those two guys were were uh, solid players. I mean, I just gave them in the marks. I gave them sixes because they didn't mm-hmm. create much on the attack, but they they, they were above average, and, oh, you know, that's, that's good yeah. for players in their position. My second good thing is Evander Kane he was involved in a few uh scoring plays um but his main contribution was as a physical forward now he he had seven hits this game and most of those hits you know i I, at least four maybe five of them including um i think probably three on peter angelo were were just absolutely uh thundering uh, two on Peter Angelo, one in the first mm-hmm. and one in the third, were thundering hits that that um, really rocked that player. And, and I was just thinking, Kane, Evander Kane. When the owners signed Milan Lucic, they are expecting something that they never got. But Evander Kane is everything Edmonton had hoped for in Milan Lucic. They're getting it from from Kane. You know that that just this intimidating, nasty, aggressive physical hockey player that scares the other team somewhat throws major hits comes to the defense of his teammates uh gives everyone else helps everyone else you know brace their spine and also has some skill to make offensive plays you know he he you know he's not um an elite offensive player right now not after his injuries you know not coming back from his injuries last year in the playoffs he was he had great hands
1: 13
0: his hands are a little bit you know he's still got a good shot but there seems to be a little bit of a handsy thing going on where he doesn't always make the pass you might might expect him to make or the in tight shot. But other than that, Bruce, he's he has been solid defensively um, in in this game and generally speaking throughout the playoffs. But his physical play is is a dramatic change for the orders and, and a and a gargantuan addition to the chemistry of this team. And he brought it. He sure did bring it tonight. Um, after Vegas had taken over the game in in Game Three physically, yes. and the Oilers matched that tonight, and they went one one level higher. Your bad thing.
1: Yeah, I it, there wasn't too many bad things that happened in this game, and I'd actually singled out a what I saw as a very bad pass by Stu Skinner into his own slot that surprised Leon D- Dry between his skates. Uh, and uh, Skinner's puck handling in general. He took one of the rare touching the puck in the trapezoid penalties. Uh, But neither of those wound up costing the Oilers, whereas this one might. Uh, And this is uh, Darnell Nurse, who I thought had an excellent game in this game. Um, But with uh, under one minute to go in the third period, uh, coming all the way down below the goal line to... uh, uh, engage with uh, Nicholas Haig, the six foot six, 230 pound uh, Vegas defender with whom he's had a rugging, running feud. And they had a whale of, of a scrap with uh, Nurse, despite being the so called instigator in the fight, because he came in, dropped the gloves, and he kind of grabbed Haig around the waist for some reason. And Haig just started throwing bombs. And Nurse took the first few, and then he got loose. And, you know, it was a, a, a uh, let's call it a, a a spirited tussle uh, and uh, uh, but here's the thing I, I was just sort of wincing and waiting for the call i'm going geez i just hope they call fighting or maybe they'll call roughing and fighting but no over the loudspeaker comes nurse two for instigating five for fighting and ten which also goes with the instigating uh, but here's the thing you instigate a fight in the last five minutes of a third period of any game and you're subject to in fact automatic uh, supplemental discipline, and it's automatic in that there's the rule calls for it, in the league unless the league decides uh, to overturn it. And I'll just read it: Player deemed to be the instigator of an altercation in the final five minutes of regulation time shall be suspended for one game, repending a review of the incident. When the one-game suspension is imposed, the coach will be fined ten thousand dollars. Suspension shall be served unless, and here's a key part: upon review of the incident, the director of hockey operations, at his discretion, deems the incident is not related to the score, previous incidents in the game, or prior games, retaliatory in nature, (laughs) message sending, etc. Well, that kind of was all of those things, wasn't it? It was. So so, uh, he's on the hook now uh, after playing such a good game and, and establishing himself, you know, as. Important member of Edmonton going off to Vegas for lane, uh, game five. And now he's at the mercy of the court. And the panel on I, I almost tweeted it right after the game, and I sort of thought, no, I don't want to be the one who brings this up. <laughs> but I noticed that the panel was already talking about it right after the game, that I mean, it's in the rule book, last five minutes. And to me, this is a highly, highly undisciplined play. Like, players need to know the rule book. They have to know the rule book. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's part and parcel and fundamental to the, to the work they choose. And especially for a, uh, a guy, you know, who has teammates backs and that, like all of the guys that tend to get into scraps on occasion, they have to know. And I mean, I used to coach Darnell, uh, not Darnell Nurse, I used to coach minor hockey back in the days long enough ago when Darnell Nurse uh, would have been playing minor hockey himself. And that was a standard minor hockey rule book. You stirred up crap in the late minutes of one game, you'd be gone for the next game. Like, this should be just inured in players. And if he gets suspended for that which had no impact on a one game, and he's out for a game five road game in a tied series, uh, that's just a major lapse of, uh, of discipline and, uh, um, you know, self-control. And I hate to say it because, like I say, he had a very, very fine game, but he just may have taken himself out of the lineup for the next game to settle some silly thing with Vegas's number six defenseman.
0: Well, I don't uh, think it was a silly thing. Like, he well, went after Hyman's knee. I'm I'm glad Nurse went after no,
1: him. No, that's that's true. That is the I'm guy. I'm glad still, he
0: went after He should that, have done it with
1: uh, six minutes left.
0: Yeah. So, so there's that, like, I, and I, I think nurse won that fight because when Haig was punching, he was punching him in the back of the helmet, like he was smashing Mm -hmm. his hand on nurse, the back of nurse's helmet, which I like to see too, but and nurse was punching in the face. So, but I, I take your point, Bruce. Now there's one mitigating, there's one interesting factor, not mitigating factor. It sounds like nurse was a text is a textbook case of someone who will get suspended. Um, but, um, they will review it. So there's always wiggle room. There's all, but Peter Angelo's slash on yeah. uh, Dry Saddle late in the game mm-hmm. was an absolutely vicious intent to oh, injure play. Deliberate. Worse, attempt to way injure. worse. Way worse than what Darnell Nurse
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. no doubt. You but know, One's he's, automatic and one's completely discretionary. Yeah.
0: So, what I could see is both players either getting suspended for a game or both players not getting nothing. suspended for a game. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, the way Dar- it's funny, Nurse has been so inconsistent in these playoffs, up one game, really down the next, up one game, down the next. Like, it's, you know, we don't know what Darnell Nurse we're going to get. Ekholm, um, Kulak, and Philip Broberg are, are not terrible. Like, that's not a terrible lineup, especially because you have Ekholm. Like, if you didn't have Eckholm right mm-hmm. now, yeah. this would be terrible news for yeah. the Emerson But they have Eckholm mm-hmm. and they have Kulak, who's mm-hmm. just playing great. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, Philip Broberg, who's looked, mm-hmm. who's played well. So it's not like the cupboard's bare. So this isn't even if Peter Angelos in the game and Nurse is out. This isn't a disaster um, heading into the next game. Like teams still win after bigger, oh, sure. much better backs than this. So, but but it, oh. I agree. Like Nurse, he probably like he he didn't start throwing punches though. Like this is the thing. Like the the instigator call was kind of iffy. Yeah. So maybe well,
1: he that, grabbed him. Yeah, he just kind yeah, of maybe grabbed him. On
0: those. He did drop, drop his gloves and he grabbed it, but maybe it'll be on those grounds that he that he might get off in the in that maybe the. But I don't know. Like I could see them both. I, I I think they'll leave it up. I I think it would be a, um, for Peter Angelo not to get suspended, and I mean he could easily have broken Leon Dreisaitl's arm.
1: Oh yeah, that was vicious.
0: Yeah. Fast, so that that the vicious slashed. came
1: down from the roof and just hacked him as hard as he could.
0: And every bit as much retaliatory at the end of the game, Darnell, on there's this
1: fight. Oh, yeah, 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 No, he should get more. I mean, but well, here's the thing. We should be in a position where Evanton saying Petrangelo should, should be games. suspended and, and without having to say, well, we've got to defend our guy because he did something silly, was controllable. And this is the thing, like, drysidle was on the bench. They zeroed in on drysidle on the bench at the whistle before the fight, but after the slash. Yeah. And Drysdale was talking to some somebody on that looked like on the Oilers forward Corps, and he says, "I'm all right. Don't do anything." You can read his lips. He says, "Don't do anything. I'm fine." And then he t- turns and like looking presumably along the defense line, and he said, "Don't do anything." He said it again, and I'm pretty sure he's probably saying it to Nurse. And anyway, Nurse did something. He did. And he did not keep his head in the rule book. And had, as a result, he's risked, he's jeopardized his position on the team for next game. And he did this last year. Like, wake up! He got kicked out of Game Six of the Kings series last year for a silly suspension, and they had they they played a sudden death game without him and won it. So it goes to your other point that it's very possible to win it. But Brett Kulak got thrust into the role of number one in an elimination game. So and they somehow they just, they survived. He was all right, and they survived that test, but barely. And I mean, you got to learn from this stuff. You got to learn from this stuff. And I mean, Nurse is a you know he's a learned individual. You know, he's a he's all academic kind of guy, smart. Uh, he's got all kinds of leadership. But geez, you got to be on the ice. You can't help your team from the penalty box. You know, and he, you cannot help your team from the press box. Think about it before you do it.
0: Here's what we know about Darnell Nurse as a player. He can get tunnel vision, yeah. and this is this is the the, the the this is why he makes some glaring Hague. mistakes. He just he just charge he just like you know charges after that player with the puck takes himself out of position sometimes. Mm-hmm. Here he is tunnel vision again. He just he just is gonna get hag, and he got him. But um, he, there could be serious repercussions. Mm-hmm. All right, Bruce. My um, bad thing is, and this is you know it's a piddling thing in the end. Could have been no worse if the Vegas quickly scored another goal. It's the one goal against, and it's just and it's really just mistakes by two players. And Evan Bouchard makes a he goes for the hit, at the blue line instead of just backing up. You know, um, maybe they're maybe Manson's telling him to hit them at the blue line like that, or hit him whenever you know every don't give him an inch on the ice. You know, there is that idea that you know you really want to clamp down at the, on the other guys at the blue line. But he goes for the hit, and they get they, they they get the puck around him, and it's and the guy's in on a break. Now Leon Dreisettle was on Nicholas Roy on that play, but he kind of let up a little bit, and um, he didn't he didn't uh, get de- defensive position on him, so he ended up cross checking him, and, and Roy fell down, but then he got up and scored on Skinner. So that was a mistake on Leon's part too. So that you know two mistakes by defensive, two you know it was the kind of um, sloppy defensive play which marked the Oilers in their worst moments in their worst games. And um, fortunately, this, this happens when they're up 4-0 um, in the third period. So, But if this had happened earlier in the game, it would be a much more significant mistake by both players. Your number, Bruce.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with um, uh, a number just supporting Edmonton's defensive play in this game, which is expected goals against. And the score of this game was 3.0 for Edmonton and 1.7 goals expected to be scored by Vegas based on the quality of shots, numbers of shots they were given up. In fact, they only scored one goal, so they, <clears throat> they almost even beat that expectation. But this was their best game in the playoffs uh, throughout the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, they had uh, three games where that expected goals against figure was two point something. And all the others it's been over three. And in most of those games, you know, the number of goals against has also been over three. But tonight they they minded their Ps and Q's on the uh, uh on the defensive side of the puck even better than they had in game two. And uh, they were comfortably in control by overall expected goals it was sixty four percent to thirty six percent for oilers, which on the deserve to win ometer that uh, one of the one of the Twitter sites has, uh, the Oilers would score pretty high with uh, with uh, relative expectations like that, and in fact they were the controlling team. But what I like most about that figure is that they did this not in a 0-0 game where either team was afraid to take chances, but in a game where Edmonton was comfortably in front and the other team had every reason to tilt the ice and come at them hard, and they just couldn't get through. So good on you, Oilers, for a great defensive effort when you really needed it.
0: You know, we there's one other game. In the, so we had the Oilers with giving up seven grade A shots and three five-alarm shots. There was one other game in the class where they were close to that. That's game two against the Kings. Again, mm-hmm. they really needed to win that game. Yes. They lost the first game. right? And in that game, they gave up seven grade A shots as well, but um, four five-alarm shots. In this game, it was just three five-alarm shots. So... To this was their best defensive game according to our own um, our own numbers. And um, there was one other game against the Kings where they gave up eight grade eight shots in game um, five and five-five uh, alarmers. So they've had three really, really good defensive games in the playoffs. Sure. And to beat Vegas, Bruce, they're going to need two more. Yep. They, they can't – I don't think they're going to do it um, without that kind of defensive effort. And once they get that in their head – um if they get that in their head they will be unbeatable (laughs) they don't have it in their heads yet because there's been lots of other games where they've been uh not so successful on defense I mean the last game against Vegas for instance Bruce Edmonton gave up 19 grade A shots and nine five alarm shots so they've they've just you know um gone from that kind of really weak super weak defensive performance for a playoff game to a supernova defensive game and and my number is related to that of the six letters defensemen, um it's really significant a defenseman plays a full game at even strength and doesn't make one major mistake on a grade a shot against we call that a keeping a clean sheet at even strength um defensemen have it in tough like they're you know even when they're doing their job they usually make one such mistake and maybe even two um and in a, in a bad game they'll make four or five or six but in this game, there was four out of the six defensemen who kept a clean sheet, and that's the bottom pairing that you singled out already, Kulak and Daharney. But it was also Darnell Nurse and Mattias Ekholm, both of them playing tough minutes, um, all kinds of really heavy minutes against tough, good players, and both of those guys kept a clean sheet. So this was Darnell. you know, man, when that guy is letting the game come to him and making good decisions, mm-hmm. he is such a fine defenseman. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, he is that most of the time. It's just he, he does have, you know, again, this tunnel vision now and then where he just where he's trying to he just makes up his mind. He's got to win the game and win the battle. And he gets drawn way out of position in those moments. And uh, bad things happen. And it's happened in uh, probably about three three playoff games where he's really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but not tonight. He was fantastic on defense. Um, the whole team was fantastic, fantastic on defense, uh, led by him at home, I thought, and and Connor McDavid. I just thought Connor McDavid had the the fire in his eyes defensively and was really strong there as well. Huge win for the Oilers. Huge and fun. on to Vegas for game five a mundo. Yep,
1: Friday night. Ooh. And then game six. We're now guaranteed a game six back here in Edmonton on Sunday. And, I mean, the series, obviously, one of the teams can win the series on that night, depending on what happens first on Friday. Yeah. Uh, but we're still following the same format as the King series, which was lose one, win one, lose one, win three. So we've won the first game four. but In the King series, we also won games five and six.
0: That would be nice. That would be really it's, – and it's entirely possible, Bruce. Like, if Edmonton brings its A game on defense – Mm-hmm. they can win both those games both those next games. they i think they are the better team um when both teams are playing at their very best i think the orders can take it up one notch higher because of the superstar talent on the team vegas is more used to winning though i think through um, structure effort defensive play that's where they have the edge so edmonton has to raise their game to vegas's level in, in that cat in those categories in order to let their natural talent then um, take over and, and win the game overall.
1: Tell her who's got talent on Vegas, though, is Jack Eichel. Wow. He is a
0: good hockey player. Is
1: he, he ever good, eh?
0: Smooth. Made, he made some smooth. good zone
1: entries in this game, some great passes once he got in there.
0: Yeah. I've so. I i, I I've come to, I, I don't know what I thought of Eichel. I didn't think, I, I didn't, I, it would be unfair to me to say much because I hadn't seen him enough.
1: Right. My respect for Jack Eichel, is going
0: on. It's grown. Like that mm-hmm. guy is a good hockey. He's just really, really good with the puck. He's a really mm-hmm. strong offensive hockey player. Yep. Let's see what happens next. Yeah. Bruce.
1: I'll put Connor and Leon up against him anytime, but uh, yeah. he's good. I mean, you've got to respect your opponent. And they got they got lots of good players on this team and Oilers are doing well to be back at two two. Take it on from here.
0: One last thing that i'm going to remark yep. upon is Jay woodcroft's adjustment going to 12 forward Yes,
1: i meant to mention that
0: and um i was on staff earlier and i was mentioning that right. I, I was thinking that's a possibility because they had to do something they were getting crushed they're getting smoked at even strength i mean the mm-hmm. as we talked about in the last podcast the five alarm shots at even strength were 22 for or yeah i think it was like 21 to 11. Right. At even strengthen the first three games for Vegas. Now this game, it was the first time the orders had more uh, five alarm shots at even strengths. It was three to two. It was it, it was not like it was total domination from the orders. Um, it was um overall it was uh, eight to four for grade A shots. But in that subcategory of the five alarmers, it was just three to two. So yeah, if the orders can get more of the best chances at even strength, that's that's the that's what it's all about in this series. And, um, that's when you're going to win a game against the, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights.
1: yeah, the other thing that was accomplished with the shuffle was the the uh, reseparation of uh, McDavid and Drysaddle onto separate lines. Yeah. And we had McDavid between Hyman and Nugent Hopkins tonight, and they had an eight to zero shot share and a one to zero goal share like that. And Drysaddle on the second line with Yamamoto and Kane, they just basically broke even across the board. But the second line previously, which had Nick Bukestad playing probably up and beyond his capacity on two C, because they had Connor and Leon yeah. on one, line one, and they were getting they were getting drilled on uh, on uh, possession numbers, and they were they were kind of. You know playing the percentages and and i think there were two goals for two goals against but it was like six to 23 for shots or something like that with uh nuge and and uh bug together uh so tonight they moved Bugstad down onto the fourth line playing center with a pair of very familiar with each other line mates in klim cost and and matthias Janmark, who played a lot of the season together on nuge's line and also shown up together with various centers between them at other times and uh, that line looked very much more comfortable uh and second line was was uh uh with with leon back there uh, uh was able to to uh, basically saw off their part of the game and tonight that's all they needed from them
0: yeah i also think there's something to be said for having set lines right like not right. having the constant jumble that you tend to get with um, the um, 11 forwards. Sometimes uh, I just think the players like to know who they're going out with every shift and it helps. Mm -hmm. And we saw more of that tonight. And um, there's just a bit more order structure to the Oilers game overall. And maybe that was partly related to that as well. Same with the defensemen, they had regular defense partners.
1: And um,
0: yeah, I think that can be uh, for players that that familiarity can also uh, work in your favor. Mm -hmm. Now the chaos sometimes can work in the Oilers favor overall you know because they the other team can't match up right as easily so it's, a, it's always a bit of a trade-off and the trade-off worked tonight and it was a it was a it was a, a shift for uh, Woodcroft he's done it all year long he's been able to, mm-hmm. he has that lecture and he did it again tonight so
1: well they ran 12 forward seven defensemen all year so uh, yeah that's the, the only spare they had, you know, if somebody was unavailable to a game, then they were forced to go 12-6 or 11-7 in that game, but they were sort of equally comfortable at doing either of those things. But tonight it was 12-6, and uh, one way that showed up was ice time for Deharne 16-38, for Kulak, 17-50. So, you know, they were repairing almost the whole game together, uh, whereas in prior games um, – Kulak have been playing some with Bouchard, or some, well, some with Bouchard, some with uh, Broberg, some with the RNA. he was moving all over. And tonight he had one partner and they played a strong game.
0: Indeed. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.